Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. The Freeman Report and James Freeman on today's news talk radio, TNT. Hello and welcome to the Freeman Report, which puts the world's leading scientists, doctors, politicians and expert commentators right at the heart of today's news talk and our fight for freedom, liberty and justice. My name is James Freeman. I'm your host. It is Wednesday, the 7th of February 2024. And on today's show, we'll be discussing heart attacks and the health system and asking the question, should hospitals feed patients the very foods that contribute to the illnesses they're tasked with treating? Um, We'll also be discussing the upcoming two-day public hearing for Julian Assange. Um, We'll be discussing why the case is important to all of us, not just for the press freedom. Um, You know, it really is important for all of our most basic freedoms. And we'll be asking what happens next if Julian is extradited. My first guest today is ethical doctor and systems analyst Tim Kenny, um, Kelly, that is. Um, he's a British doctor advocating for deep-rooted change within the UK health system. Now, I came across Dr. Telly, um, <laughs> going to get this right, Dr. Kelly, we're going to get this right, on X, after he published a photo of a hospital dessert uh, being offered to his Scottish patients who were in hospital after suffering heart attacks. Now, the desserts in the photo are clearly the opposite of a healthy dessert with lots of cream, pastry and sugary content, which is insane if you think about it in an environment that is supposed to be focused on fixing the illnesses um, that these foods contribute towards in the first place. Um, My second guest today is British activist Matt O'Brainain. He's been following the Assange case closely for many years. He's an activist. Uh, He's done lots of um, protesting himself. Um, Julian Assange's two-day public hearing was announced back in December and will take place on February the 20th and the 21st in the UK High Court. Now, the hearing will determine whether Julian has permission to appeal or whether he will be extradited to the United States. TNT will be at the Royal Courts of Justice broadcasting and covering the entire hearing. Our hosts will also be speaking with various expert commentators as we light the fuse for freedom right here on TNT. Now, the case is incredibly important as it will determine whether the establishment in the West have washed their hands of the idea that the purpose of journalism in a democracy is to inform the public so that power can be held to account. This is also a case about a human being and his basic human rights after being held in Balmash high security prison for five years without one charge being brought against him. If Assange is extradited for prosecution in the US, It will be a sign, in my view, that the United Kingdom no no longer respects the basic tenets that Western democracies are built on. Respect for human rights and fundamental freedoms, freedom of association, freedom of expression and opinion, and access to power and its exercise in accordance with the rule of law. 
In this spirit, I'm now going to read out a poem for Assange that was first published by Neil Clark in Sputnik at the time of Julian being remanded to Balmarsh back in April 2019. They dragged him from the embassy, the plainclothes men, men from the Met. We talk of Britain's independent from Europe, but what about from the rest? The captive looked like Ben Gunn, old, bearded and grey, sneered at and laughed by those in the pay. Those who support empire told us Julian's a cad, but where's the proof of him doing anything bad? Accusations are levelled, but charges not brought. Fair-minded people see that extradition must be fought. Britain tells Sweden, don't you dare get cold feet. Assange is a traitor and must be beat. But a traitor to whom is what we must all ask. Exposing the crimes of illegal war cannot be illegal, that's for sure. Julian's great crime was to pull back the curtain. That we were led by liars and knaves, WikiLeaks proved that for certain. Now it's time for the elite's revenge. That revenge will be awful, but only if we allow it. So don't be cowed by unsubstantiated charges. Instead, put on your hat and go out for marches. By exposing wrongdoing, Assange did us a favour. So his persecution for publishing the truth is something we cannot savour. The wars that we paid for did not protect us. On the contrary, they actually betrayed us. They made us less safe and brought terrorism home. It's those who launched them who should be on trial, not Julian, the man who showed us the file. Until that happens, everything else is a joke, a confidence trick like a pig in a poke. Julian is not a journalist, the stenographers decree, the very same experts who said Iraq had WMDs. One million died because of that obscene, unlawful endeavour. How many has Julian killed? And I'm not trying to be clever. No one is saying that the man is a saint. No man is, in fact, the notion is rather quaint. And if he was a sexual offender, then of course one would be utterly condemned. But look at the CPS emails to Sweden and consider the gen. Let's be honest. If Julian was Russian, who'd been treated like this, there'd be moral indignation and calls for airstrikes by those now taking the piss. Laughing at the predicament of a man on the rocks, his mental health no concern to those absolute cocks. As for Moreno, he's really no Lenin, and Jeremy Hunt rhymes with cunt, but I, put, I won't put my pen in. Theresa May said, that's what happens um, when no nobody's above the law. But Bush, Blair and the rest are, should be at the Hague. That really sticks in the craw. International justice is a charade if the guilty always go free and the innocent are captured and the propagandist full of glee. Hence, what happens to Assange is of tremendous import if he goes the way of others who revealed all. What does it say about us and our failure to make the right call? So say a prayer for Julian tonight and wish the lad well. This is one for all of us to help break the spell. 
If you want to get in touch, then please email me at jamesfreeman at tntradio.live. And if you want to join in the conversation today, please head over to tntradio.live and click on the chat icon. My name is James Freeman, and this is the Freeman Report for today's News Talk TNT. Getting straight to the facts. Enough with the lies. We need facts. This is today's News Talk Radio TNT. Good morning, Gemma. How are you doing today? Very good, thank you. Strong words there in that poem. Strong words. It is a great poem. I'm going to read it again because I want a perfect version. You know, it's not an easy thing reading out live. I want a perfect version because I think it is very powerful. It covers all of the points um, of Julian Sange's case, why it's wrong. And, you know, and, and, and it really does point out the absolute crimes that have been committed, not just against Julian Sange for keeping in prison, but against all of us. The, the dodgy wars, you know, the the, the illegal crimes that, that they committed over there um, and the fact that this man for revealing that is in prison. So, yeah, I will read it again in the coming days. You should uh, make, maybe make a recording of it and then, you know, just click click on it whenever you're struggling. There we go. <laughs> click to your perfect recording, you know. But there were some very there was some very emotive language in there there's no doubt about that i mean you, yeah. you drop the c bomb they drop the c bomb there you know i was quite surprised to hear that and um but that's the kind of emotions that it is stirring amongst people who are free thinking who see the injustice of i mean the poor man's mental health is hanging by a thread we know that his lawyer told told people in australia when she addressed a panel you know just before the end of last year she said if he's if he loses this appeal she said he's, he's he's really in danger of taking his own life and she said i'm not trying to sensationalize this it's the last thing anyone wants but He's only one man, isn't he? You can only take so much. Yeah, I think it's absolutely disgusting. Um, a real um, blight on the United Kingdom. And I know we're doing it at the behest of the US. So it does kind of open up that question as well, doesn't it? The fact that, you know, where where the US's lapdog is, I think, is the accusation, which still stands true. Um, because, you know, this isn't British justice, what's happened to him. The fact that he's been in solitary confinement for years now in a high security prison, um, it really is ridiculous. So, yeah, I think those strong words are warranted in this case. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it took me by surprise. I can assure you. I was like, did you really say that? Oh, quite small. That's strong words there. Strong words. But, you know, as I say, in the context, in the context, they weren't your words. They were the person who wrote the poem. Um, you know, I can completely understand uh, yeah. where that where that was coming from. Um, I wish, though, you know, we were talking about exposing things, you know, Julian Assange, you know, exposed what was going on uh, within the kind of theatre of war and the fog of war and, and all the horrible atrocities. And um, what is continually being exposed, it seems, this week is this is really a follow-up from the story we discussed yesterday, which I know shocked you. It shocked me. Uh, but this one has shocked me even more. Yesterday, we were discussing the widespread sexual harassment and misogyny within the Royal Air Force, uh, with case studies coming forward. And today, there's a really shocking story, um, an investigation which has been carried out by um, the professional body of paramedics, the College of Paramedics and NHS Trusts right up and down the UK about the a huge amount of sexual harassment and misogyny against female paramedics uh, within that profession. Now, just to give you a kind of snapshot of how many people this is affecting, um, it's on every NH trust in the UK, uh, experts are saying. Now, the, uh, the UK has 215 NHS trusts, which all deploy health services in their area, and there are nearly 17,000 paramedics up and down the land, including Scotland 
and Wales. Um, but uh, former and current female paramedics have come forward today. And they're speaking anonymously, and I, I can't say I blame them at all, um, uh, to describe the kind of culture within the profession uh, and the effects it's had. I mean, one poor woman, she doesn't work for the NHS at all anymore. She's not a paramedic anymore. She says that her breasts were groped, exposed, fondled. I mean, it's very distressing, this licked, drawn on, uh, and then by a male member of staff, a senior paramedic. Uh, and that paramedic then uh, took his, his phone out, took a photograph of the drawings he'd done on her breast uh, and then sent it to her. Uh, she said she was absolutely devastated. She couldn't get over it. It destroyed her mental health. She tried to commit suicide. And at one point, she tried to cut her own breast off. Um, uh, she subsequently got a payout from her former employer, and she's left the profession. Um, and then there's a current paramedic who's remaining anonymous, uh, saying that it's constant daily sexual harassment. And all you want to do is look after your patients. Uh, and you're constantly sexualized, often in front of patients while you are on the job. Male colleagues will make reference to your body, uh, sexual acts, um, and, and it's ex relentlessly exhausting because you are trying to trying to look after your patients while dealing with the effects of this type of behavior. This current paramedic who's gone under an anonymous name says she can't wait for the winter because then you can wear your winter paramedic uniform, big coats, big trousers, and she says you can cover yourself up and you can't feel your male eyes running up and down your body. Um, the College of uh, Professional Body of Paramedics says it's a problem. They recognize that. Um, the National College of Paramedics says it's a particular problem with students who are going into the profession while still students. They're trying to train on the job. She says there's often, the, the president of that says there's often a problem between mentors who take them under their wing to train them and the mm, mentees who yeah. are very often young, young women starting out. And the balance of power is off. And students feel pressured to do things that they wouldn't normally do simply to pass exams and gain their qualification into the profession. Um, the College of Paramedics chief executive says she's telling her two granddaughters not to go into the profession until sweeping changes are made. Now, this is the person who's responsible for the training of paramedics. That's how bad it actually is. Unsurprisingly, all of the NHS trusts are jumping up and down saying it's absolutely unacceptable. This is terrible. This is terrible. Uh, it seems to be endemic, though. Uh, the Association of Ambulance Chief Executives saying it's something of a rite of passage within the paramedic uh, profession, largely because it's a very hierarchical structure, just as we were talking about yesterday with the Royal Air Force. And until very recently, it has been a completely male-dominated profession. So it is there a question of males showing off in front of other males within the hierarchical power structure. You know, it's quite a difficult one to unravel. What's clear, though, is that women are leaving the profession in their droves. And those who do speak out, just like in the Royal Air Force, are having their careers uh, destroyed, put on hold, or their lives made so intolerable, they end up leaving. I'm going to ask the same question as yesterday, um, Gemma. Is this a case now? Because my understanding that, that you know these kinds of things have gone on for for years in the medical profession, particularly with doctors and and people that work with them, and the the power imbalance there, you know, with nurses and doctors and things. Is this a case of? We're getting better at reporting this. Um, we've obviously got these few cases that you've just spoken about there. Um, so is this a case about better reporting or are things getting worse? I wonder with this one if things are getting worse because it's not that it's women women in becoming paramedics is a fairly recent thing. I think it's more recent okay. than women being able to join the armed forces. So I think what's happening is women are, are training up, uh, going into the profession, uh, men are finding it, male paramedics, some, not all, 
not all, you know, they're, they're alleging it's a minority, but it's, it's enough to destroy people's lives and careers. So, you know, it's wrong. Um, but it may be that there is a hierarchical male dominated power structure. Some men are finding it difficult to accept women into the profession. And this is the type of behavior because it's about power. It's about control. It's about humiliation in the workplace. It's about people knowing that they're top dog. That kind of behavior seems to be indicative here. Um, I wonder if it is just because it's, it's, it's toxic. I mean, the Association of Ambulance Chief Executives has said there's a toxic culture uh, with it being seen as some kind of rite of passage. And it's very acceptable. Mm. There's another woman who says that, you know, she, she, went, she was leaning over to clean some equipment. A male colleague came up behind her, groped her breast. And other people were just sitting around watching the TV on their phones and they didn't even, they kind of all laughed as if it was like, well, what are you going on about? Um, I mean, you've got a daughter, James. If she goes into the workplace, mm. I'm sure you'd be horrified, horrified if she came home with a story like that. Um, how you tackle the problem? None of these organizations have the answer. And it's four different professional bodies saying this is terrible. How do you change it? And that is a rhetorical question on my part. How do you change these toxic attitudes? And it seems endemic in so many walks of life. Then these are two public sectors, which the taxpayer funds, um, and also paramedics as well. They're supposed to be caring, <laughs> supposed to be the yeah. caring profession with a good bedside manner. I wouldn't want one of these guys coming to my house <laughs> if I had an accident. I'd be like, get, you know, back off, mate. Um, you know, it's that, that doesn't bode well for a profession that's supposed to be recruiting people on their empathic and compassionate tendencies yeah i think the answer the step first step anyway is is the answer is is we need to shine a light on it which is what we're doing now um obviously you know this needs to be talked about more in the press to make it so that people know it's unacceptable because clearly they've got lots of people who don't get that surprisingly um what other actions they take i i don't know but yes um clearly something that needs to be sorted out thank you very much Gemma, for, for that story um to the rest of you in a moment we'll be talking to um dr tim Kelly, um, who's going to talk about um, the problems that we've got in healthcare across the West. But also, I came across Tim, um, he actually posted a photo um, um, of these desserts that his patients have been um, offered in hospital who'd suffered from heart attacks. And they're big cream desserts with lots of pastry, loads of sugar and cream and all, all of that kind of stuff. Pretty shocking, really. Um, so we'll be asking the question, you know, is that appropriate in an environment where the hospital is healing people that are have suffered from illnesses which are caused by those very foods? So stick with us right here on TNT for all of that in a moment. TNT's Abby Roberts. So this is the headline in The Guardian. Pleasure of sex is a gift from God, but avoid porn. Pope advises... What is it with religious people and sex? Isn't there anything else that's 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 more important to worry about? And this is what uh, this is what Pope Francis uh, say. I'm gonna I'm gonna read it in an Italian accent just to be even more offensive. Sexual pleasure is a gift from God, but Catholics must avoid pornography. Pope Francis has said. The pontiff. Oh, I will tell you what though, he was all for giving people lots of pricks during 2021. Bloody hell, mRNA's fine, but just not porn. Abby Roberts on TNT. 
In a democracy, the majority vote rules. But in most democracies, you can only vote for change every three or four years. To understand what people want, governments and political parties use focus groups. These focus groups can include as little as 20 people. Australia is a country of over 25 million people. Does making decisions based on 20 people sound fair to you? Have your say. Be heard in between elections. Download the 4MySay app now. That is number 4MySay. Unbiased information. Honest and forthright. News without the misinformation. It doesn't matter what side you're from. What matters is what you say, the truthfulness behind it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Right, okay, we're back to that topic again of our broken healthcare model in the West. And I'm delighted that Dr. Tim Kelly is here to talk all about that with me now. Um, Hello, Tim, how are you doing? Hi, James, how's it going? Yeah, good. Well, listen, thank you for coming on the Freeman Report. This is obviously your first um, appearance. Um, I wonder if you wouldn't mind starting by just introduce yourself, give us a little bit about your background, the type of work that you do. And I guess, you know, why you're speaking out. Um, You know, I saw your post on on Twitter, which was um, the reason I got in contact with you. Yeah, so I I originally trained as a computer scientist and, and systems analyst. And and then uh, I, I naively went into medicine, thinking that I was going to help the world. And and I quickly discovered really that it, it's it's not uh, the modern medicine isn't really uh, uh, well. It's broken basically. So I'm a systems analyst, and it's I, I'm, I quickly diagnosed it was a broken system. And, and I've been pretty skeptical about it, the whole model ever since, really. And uh, it's really since I've been practicing that, that I really see, see this being reinforced. And the whole COVID era has really shone a light on 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 the, the really big issues. And what kind of um, what kind of medicine do you practice? And and you know, is it hospital based? Is it GP? What 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 is it you do? Yeah, so I never really climbed the ladder. I've I've been working on on the front line in the emergency department. Um, I've done, I've done some psychiatry too, uh, and I've done some international development work going around the world, doing different projects and things. Uh, and and I, I still work as a systems analyst and and have a, a wide variety of other interests as well. I think sometimes having a generalist perspective can, can add add things. I think probably a bit too many specialists in this world at the moment and not enough common sense. And, you know, working in emergency departments, what would you say, um, just give us a flavour of, um, you know, we read all these stories on the news about um, how bad things are. What sh- as somebody who's actually worked on the front line there supporting that, um, what, what's your assessment of what our emergency um, departments are like in hospitals? Well, it, it, I'd like to see a lot less people coming through the front door, and, and I think that could be prevented. So a lot of modern medicine is about, um, what I say, complex solutions to problems that don't really have rights to exist in the first place. So we, we, we give a drug to a patient uh, which, which deals with immediate symptoms, uh, usually um, perhaps not, 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 not actually getting to the root of the problem. And then, and then maybe months or years down the line, because you haven't really got to the root of the problem, you, you that, that, that drug might actually cause further problems and then you need another drug and another drug. It's all very profitable, but you're not really getting to the root of the problem. And a lot, often getting to the root of the problem could be a lot, lot cheaper as well. So, so it, it's, uh, there's not really much motivation for anyone to do this, unfortunately. Yeah, sadly, when people are making so much money, there is no incentive, is there, to actually solve the problem. It's much more profitable to carry on treating the symptoms. Now, um, let's talk about that that 
post that you put up and more widely the context around that because obviously the post was about the food that people are being served in hospitals yeah. which i think is really important um but i've had people on um on on the show before who've talked about the fact that you know i think it was kate shamarani actually of um who's actually a tnt host and saying that you know hospitals should be a place of healing they should be like spas um you know peaceful and and restful and serving you know healthy food and offering patients the opportunity to maybe take walks around the hospital and that kind of thing what's what's your view on the model that we've got at the moment and where you think it should be well, it's it's, a, it's an opportunity, isn't it? There's a, there's a lot of um, misinformation. Uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of doctors are misinformed as well um, about about the role of fat and sugar, basically. And and uh, just uh, I know Dr. Balotchi, you've had on previously, has, has, has brought this to the attention that, that Ansel Keys back in the 60s really pushed this idea that, that saturated fat was bad for you. Um, um, actually, uh, the, the the real culprit sugar and that was being uh, that was being proposed by John Yukin and 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 of course the, the the sugar industry have really pushed pushed this uh, the idea that saturated fat is bad for us and then you get all these low fat yogurts and you get low fat this low fat that and actually a lot of these products are actually just um, they, they put extra sugar and starch in them basically so you're actually not really dealing with the root of the problem saturated fat is actually quite a, quite an important nutrient nutrient. Uh, and, and a lot of the problems that we face are all down to sugar, really. And so you've got this situation where you, you could be showcasing in the hospital that, that food that's good for you doesn't need to, to be boring or doesn't have to be bad. It, it, you, you have that opportunity. And it's, I think the reason I put that photo is, is it had concentrated orange juice, probably the, one of the worst things that you can put in your body. But we see it all the time on the TV. It's a part of your five a day for 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 fruit and vegetables, it's absolute nonsense. It's it's concentrated sugar, it's hitting your, your bloodstream in one hit. It's got fructose in it, which is one of the worst uh, sugars that you can put in if the, the, the liver hates sugar and cause a fatty liver disease, it's been connected to that. Uh, and, and really, if we don't get on top of this problem, we, we sit, well, we already are sitting on a time bomb uh, of, of uh, metabolic disease, uh, and it's gonna get worse and worse and worse. And um, in terms of the hospitals themselves, how, how is that? I mean, do you know how that's set up, the um, the catering services? Presumably that's all outsourced, is it? But is is there, or I'm assuming it is, is, is that the case? I don't want to partly go too much into specifics of my own personal hospital. I don't think this is a widespread problem. And, and also, I think the big issue here is that even if hospitals were to, to, to sort of push um, healthier foods, I don't think they would know where to start of what is healthy and what isn't because the advice that is given to patients mm -hmm. from what I see isn't good advice in, in many, many cases of what to eat. I, I say to patients all the time, oh, so what do you eat? And they say, oh, I'm, I have a very healthy um, diet, doctor. And I say, okay, what do you have for your breakfast? And they say, well, I have um, porridge or bran flakes with uh, or corn flakes with, with milk. And, you know, it'd be much better to be probably be having eggs with some some meat or some steak or something like that and 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 then they have like sandwiches for, for lunch and and it's just a lot of the, a lot of sugar hidden in and a lot of processed foods really i, I just use a, a model of it's in a packet it's probably not good for you 
Yeah. And of course, you know, we all see the claims in the supermarkets. I mean, everything is good for you, isn't it? You know, fish fingers have got omega-3, you know, really, really healthy for you. Forget all the stuff it's wrapped in and the processing that goes on. I mean, we see it with the cereals as well. They're all super, super healthy when actually we know that they're actually more edible substances than actually real foods. Right, Tim, we're going to take a break, break, quick break for the news headlines now, but don't go anywhere because I've got more questions. And I want to talk also about sort of the um, the impact of the pandemic over the last four years and what your view is of what's gone on and what you think is the answer in terms of moving forward. So don't go anywhere. Stay with us right here on TNT. Big news. We do have some big news. TNT Radio News. Big news. And Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Despite the White House's best efforts to stop him, Tucker Carlson has secured an interview with Russian President Vladimir Putin. India's Prime Minister has pledged to make his country's economy the third largest on earth. Argentina is relocating its embassy in Israel to West Jerusalem. And Donald Trump has vowed to appeal a federal court ruling, denying him presidential immunity in a lawsuit accusing him of trying to overturn the 2020 election. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab or Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Right, now, Tim, obviously, you know, the, the NHS and healthcare has been in the news regularly, especially in the winter time for more than a decade, probably a couple of decades now. Every year we hear about how bad things are, but... We've had an event over the last four years, which has really brought healthcare. I think you know how we deliver healthcare, what healthcare, what health is. Actually, you know, it, it's not in a pill, is it? It's um, something totally different. Um, what do you think, um, you personally? What's been your experience the last four years, and what have you learned about um, our healthcare system and what we should be doing going forward instead of what we're doing? Oh, where to start? Um, well, I spoke out very early in 2020 about the lockdowns. Um, I said, this is insane. Uh, it's going to cause a huge amount of collateral damage and it's going to end up costing what well, these, I just thought these proposals were ridiculous. You looked at the virus and it was clear that there was affecting primarily older people and it was affecting people who had comorbidities. And this was, this was information that was available at the outset. Okay. Um, it's absolute garbage to say that, oh, well, we know this now. We didn't know it at the beginning. We knew it at the beginning. And anybody who said this was cancelled. There were plenty of scientists, um, Nobel Prize winning scientists like Luke Monsterjay, who, who spoke about it, uh, the, the vaccine and how that wasn't a very good idea. Uh, and, and basically, so we ended up with this, this group think, essentially. And, and I think that um, a, a lot of what I've seen is, is a system problem, essentially. If you imagine a, a microphone and a speaker on a loop, if you put this, the microphone in front of the speaker, you end up with this screech. And what they basically did is they put a filter in that circuit. And when you put a filter in that circuit and you block out all the scientists who are saying, no, this is not a good idea, all the doctors that say this isn't a good idea. I mean, I, I spoke out of it. I was on the radio, uh, but I had a, a baby on the way, and it became very clear that I was, I was going to have to choose between speaking out or, or, or not essentially working. You couldn't speak out if you're on the front line talk, uh, about lockdowns. And, and, and the vaccine was just an even, uh, even more corrosive issue, a taboo topic that you just couldn't go near, basically. 
So, so I, I'm sort of making up for the time that because uh, I, I would have liked to have been more vocal. I have been working behind the scenes like with uh, Doctors for Patients UK and Heart, uh, who, who have been these scientists uh, and doctors that have been cancelled basically. Uh, but uh, it, really, groupthink has been the big problem here, uh, and, and it's caused a lot of harm. Yeah, it has, hasn't it? And you mentioned something very early on there when you were talking comorbidities. And this is really important, isn't it? Because that's what the stats showed us. That's what the data showed us. It was people with comorbidities. Yeah. Are you then, What I mean, how do politicians, if you were a politician, how would you go about fixing the problem? Because, of course, the politicians will tell, tell us that, you know, people should be given choice. We can't force people to eat healthy um, and have healthy lifestyles and eat healthy food. What do you think politicians can do, though, to, to support healthier lifestyles? Well, we've got to get to the root of the problem. And the root of the problem is really corporate capture over the media and over educational establishments. Uh, doctors study medicine. They do not study health. So they, the, the ideology of a doctor from day one is you come to me with a problem and I give you this tablet. And then they, they assume that they have this uh, uh, evidence base behind a lot of things. But if you start digging uh, deeper, like a lot of professors have, have done, um, uh, you'll, you'll find that actually a lot of this evidence is actually an illusion because they, they often compare uh, apples with oranges, essentially. Um, and and uh, really, giving a tablet out is usually just masking a symptom. You're not getting to the root of the problem, as, as I said earlier. So... So really to get to the root of the problem, what we have to do is disconnect big, big food and big pharma from mm. influencing uh, government and influencing academia, okay? That is what needs to be disconnected. If you look at the, the regulatory bodies, look at their interests that they declare, a lot of them got shares in uh, pharmaceutical companies, food companies, and, then, and it's like a revolving door basically. So that's the mess we're in. And then on top of that, it's just the, the whole COVID era just just made things, took things to a whole new level in terms of the censorship of anybody who's trying to bring any sort of common sense to the whole whole argument, basically. Yeah, it is crazy. I mean, what you're talking about there, if you go to the very top of the, the capitalist structure, the same people who own the McDonald's and all of the chains and the food production companies that are pumping out a lot of this, which is really poisonous to our bodies, they're the same people that own also then the the pharmaceutical companies that are making the pills which were given. So there is a fundamental problem here, isn't there, in how our yeah, modern yeah. society and how it operates. Do you think do you think doctors are becoming increasingly aware of that problem? No, I don't think they are. I think they read The Guardian and they believe uh, everything that's put in it. Unfortunately, we're, in a, we're living in an era of, uh, I'll call it neo-Marxism. Uh, basically, uh, essentially, uh, the corporations, they, are no, they, they, they aren't really independent corporations competing with each other anymore. They're, they're all owned mm. by a handful of big investment firms, BlackRock, uh, Vanguard, State Street, they, and they all own each other. So, so essentially, what that is is centralization in disguise. And then, and then effectively, the, these companies that are then... Uh, Funding government, like political parties, essentially, but they 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 sponsor both sides. You've got the World Economic Forum as well, meddling with you know with their ideas, and and so you end up with this groupthink, really. And and anybody who doesn't go along with it gets cancelled. Uh, I, I know scientists um, 
who, who've uh, queried the, the how how, um, how bad CO two is affecting climate change, for example, and and they they say to me, well, it really isn't a very big factor, Tim, but I can't say that because I will lose my funding for all my research projects. And this is this is basically what's happening: is that, that pe- people can't say what they believe. And I'm, I've got to a point now where I'm speaking out again. I, I've I've not been speaking as much as I'd have liked the last couple of years, uh, and that's really sort of I found that very painful because I'm not I, I, I'm somebody who likes to speak out. And if we're in a situation where people feel that I mean, I just got a message yesterday from some other doctors who said, "Oh, fantastic for going on tomorrow." And I'm looking at what their name is, and they're on an anonymous Twitter profile because they won't basically put their name to to what 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 they want to say. This is the world we're living in now. People are not free to speak what they want to say because their careers are in jeopardy and I don't want any part of it. So basically I'm just going to speak my mind and if something happens to me, then so be it. I'll, I'll just find something else to do, you know, because I'm not being part of this anymore. Yeah. And the irony is, of course, if everybody was to do that in the first place and speak, everybody was to do that. They can't, they can't fire everybody. So I think, exactly. I think that's the way out, isn't it? We need more we people. Ten percent of doctors didn't. Ten percent of healthcare workers in England didn't take the jab. Ten percent. So where where are they? Yeah. Where are they? Yeah. That is definitely a problem. Well, listen, Tim. I'm glad you are speaking out. Um, where can people go to find out more about your work and 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 any things that you're publishing? So if you go to um, if, you, if you search for Doctors for Patients UK, and mine not even come up because of the Google censorship. But um, if you the, the other option is. Uh, if you look for my Twitter profile, she's Dr. Timothy Kelly, Dr. Timothy Kelly. Um, I'm going to be hosting uh, once a month a uh, Twitter Spaces event, and we'll be inviting doctors and scientists who have been cancelled, uh, and we'll be discussing these important uh, things so that so that basically we can try and come back to a place of sanity, basically. Fantastic. Well, listen, um, Tim, thank you for coming on the Freeman Report and good luck with all the work you're doing. We do really do need more doctors to speak out, because like I said, if I think if, if more doctors were to speak out, that would encourage more. And then we would have, a, I think, an honest debate, which is what we need. So thank you very much, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Tim Kelly. Thank you. Right. Yes, bye-bye. Um, right, next, um, don't go anywhere because next um, we'll be talking all about Julian Assange and that two-day public hearing, which is coming up in just a couple of weeks. So don't go anywhere because we'll be talking all about that right in a second on here on TNT. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Well, the latest in the Michael Mann versus Mark Stein trial is a little bit interesting, and I'm trying to figure out if this is right. Apparently, Dr. Mann's lawyers, there are four of them, and remember, Mark Stein is defending himself by himself. Apparently, they've asked for a nominal fee as far as damages go and there is a rumor that what was asked for now sit down you ready for this was one dollar now mark stein has spent around three and a half million dollars i've heard i don't know maybe it's more maybe it's less defending himself from michael mann and michael mann's lawsuit over the fact that mark stein thinks that michael mann hid the data and he called him a fraud Right now, I could see, for instance, let's say uh, the number one climatologist in the world said that to you. That's one thing. But Mark Stein is a journalist. That's the first thing. Second thing is he had to raise the money to defend himself. And we've gone over this. But one dollar. Why would Michael Mann only want 
one dollar. You know why? He just wants the decision. He just wants to be able to say, see, he actually did defame me. I won the court case. Well, I don't think Stein wants any part of that because of the fact that he wants to drill it home that what Michael Mann did, take two samples out of 22 and then hide, he did. He hit the data from people who would criticize it and actually tear it apart. Mark Stein wants that to come out. One's pursuing the truth, the other seems to be hiding it. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog, meteorologist Joe Bastardi, asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. One scorching heat wave will leave me powerless to cool my insulin. When the storm rolls in, my time to find a pet-friendly evacuation center will have run out. <laughs> I'm relying on luck, but who knows if it'll be on my side. When it comes to disasters and emergencies, it's not a matter of if, but when. Take control. One, assess your needs. Two, make a plan. Three, engage your support network. Let's prepare so we all have a better story to tell. This is the Freeman Report with James Freeman on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Right, well, my next guest has been following Julian Assange and the case for many years now. Um, he's an activist. Um, he is Matt O'Brien. Um, hello, Matt. How are you doing? Kia ora. How are you, James? Kia ora, everybody. Yeah, listen, welcome to the Freeman Report. Um, I guess the first question is, um, you're obviously wearing um, some kind of um, costume there. Please please tell us what you're wearing and why. Yeah, so this is obviously an orange uh, Guantanamo-based style prisoner suit. And of course, Julian Assange is currently detained for revealing the torture, the evidence of the torture at Guantanamo Bay. And he faces potentially being sent to a very similar type of uh, intern, you know, imprisonment solitary confinement for his journalism uh, and then i've got the sign here um that uh, italian artist Davide Domina helped me uh, make and uh, but i've been wearing this for a year and a half every day and my commitment is that i'm going to wear this every day until julian assange is free uh, because i don't feel that i am free or that any one of us is safe or free in this world if it's the most powerful governments in the world that we look to as leaders of democracy and freedom of speech uh, namely the United States and the United Kingdom, uh, are prosecuting and jailing a journalist for award-winning journalism that ended an illegal invasion in Iraq. Yeah. Fantastic. I didn't realise that, Matt, that you've been wearing that every day. That's um, good on you. That's um, that's you. really good. Um, and I wonder if you wouldn't mind... <laughs> I wonder if you wouldn't mind just um, telling us, um, you know, what what when did you first get interested in this case, and what was it? What was the thing which kind of sparked your interest? Yeah, I'll never forget it. I was I was sitting at my computer, and, and so it's quite funny. People often ask me what can I do about the Julian Assange case, but I tell you, one of my friends just put Julian Assange as his profile picture on Facebook, and I kept seeing it. And I, I knew almost nothing about it. I, I'd, I'd heard it in the news once or twice, but I really, I wasn't following the news much at that time. But it prompted me and I was like, well, what's, what's that all about? And it was the picture of him in the prison van, not looking too well. And uh, so I thought, all right, I'm going to find out. So I did a Google um, and uh, I came across uh, a brilliant, brilliant article that I recommend anyone if you want a first point of contact with the case to read. 
written by uh, the United Nations Special Rapporteur. He's an independent uh, rapporteur and he's uh, very experienced. He was a, a lawyer for the Red Cross and war zones. And uh, he's, uh, he's investigated the whole case. He's seen all the evidence in all the jurisdictions from Sweden to the United States, the United Kingdom. And he spells it out in this brilliant report. It's probably a 35-minute read. Highly recommend uh, if you want to Google. It's Nils Meltzer. And it's uh, called A Murderous System is Being Created Before Our Eyes. And my gosh, if you read the report, you'll understand what he means. And he's not uh, talking hyperbole. Uh, I mean, a man of his stature in uh, humanitarian law, he's the chair of human, uh, human rights chair at the Humanitarian Law Society in uh, Geneva. They don't go around saying things like this case uh, represents the the uh, was it uh, the end of Western democracy if we don't free him. You know they they don't make outlandish statements like that. And if they're damn serious, like he's putting his career on the line, but he's backed up by so many other experts. Uh, you can go down the list from the UN to uh, the Council of Europe to Amnesty and reports of that borders. Uh, even editors of the New York Times, The Guardian, they're actually all on the same page, that this undermines press freedom, which, if you know what that means, uh, is your right to know what your government and what corporations mm -hmm. are doing in our world. And to me, that's the master key to all our freedoms. So it's not simply about Julian Assange. It is about you out there, all the listeners out there, your kids, their kids, our world, you know, if we have any shred of democracy in the world, it's absolutely dependent on the ability to know about state crimes when they're being committed. And that's all Julian is in jail for, revealing state crimes. Like, it's egregious. So after reading it, I was just profoundly shocked and moved. I think I'd always wondered what I can do in the world and uh, felt like I wasn't really doing as much as I could. And I didn't really know where to start. But once I understood what that case, what this case means, that it's like the master key to all freedoms. I was like, well, even if I don't do anything for the rest of my life to help the world be a better place, at least I'll know that if we hold on to the right to know the truth, uh, someone out there can fight for it. But without that key, if it's a crime, if they can lock you up for revealing the corruption and the crimes, like whatever issue, like good luck, whatever issue you want to solve in the world, like I don't think you have a chance if we can't even, if they can lock you up for even you know, yourself or any other journalist out there just for telling the truth or even blogger, you know, it could be anybody. This precedent that they're setting, uh, if they extradite him, uh, could be used against anyone like a rubber stamp from here on if we don't stop this now. And this is our, this is our shot. We can't let it happen to Julian. Yeah, exactly. And it's an interesting one as well, isn't it, this case, because you talk about their, all of the, the news platforms, you know, and the press. Um, and we know what's happened over the last four years. I mean, this has been, I think, you know, I think people like me have woken up to this over the past four years, but this has been going on for a very, very long time. Just let yeah. fewer people, I think, aware of the, 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 the constructed news around us. But it is interesting, mm. isn't it? Because those very same platforms that have talked about Assange, um, there's a bit of a conundrum now, isn't there? Because, um, you know, they, over the, over the past four years, have become very much the, the curtain's been pulled back and they are very much the mouthpieces of this system now. Um, how do you see that sort of 
that tug of war going on, do you think, um, you know, in, in a couple of weeks, we're actually going to see the mainstream press talking about this? Or do you think it's just going to be kept under covers? I certainly very much hope so. Um, we, people, people feel that they can, should be able to rely on our major news networks to tell us the things that are very important. I cannot see a more important case, a more consequential case in the world than this. And um, it's been a very mixed bag. Uh, that's putting it kindly, really, how they've um, covered this. Now, I don't, but, uh, but I'm not an absolutist. Like they have also done, like The Guardian, for instance, has written some very strongly worded articles about how important this is. Um, but they, they haven't sort of always done that uh, over the last 13 years of the case, they've really ramped it up over the last four years since he was arrested. Um, but I think they've sort of done a lot of damage by misreporting it also for a long period of time up until then, to the point where the public kind of lost interest. And now mm. they're just not talking about it enough. But they can solve this at any time. They can get their credibility back and tell the public about this. And they absolutely should. If, if their real commitment is to the people, and telling us what's important, then they must they must raise the volume on this case. And if not, look to bloggers, look to independent journalists like yourselves, TNT Radio. I've noticed you guys are doing live reporting between uh, uh, through the whole uh, court hearing coming yeah. up from the 20th to the 23rd. So that's brilliant. Full respect to you guys. And listen out there, just like keep supporting independent journalists that do report about the Assange case. And if, you, if you're following good journalists, that's one thing you can do is to remind them to talk about this. And look, if yeah, the no, Guardian and the New York Times don't want to cover it, that's on them. They're going to lose their credibility as far as I'm concerned, you know. Yeah, I think I think that's already blown, to be honest with you, Matt. Um, <laughs> I do I, I do wonder, though, because um, I had an experience yesterday evening, actually, where we were talking about Assange and the case on the show yesterday. And I thought I'll clip that and I'll um, now I loaded it up to X, no problems. Um, and we weren't talking about anything outlandish. We just mentioned the case and we were talking about it in relation to, you know, what goes on in China and Russia, et cetera. But I tried to load it onto TikTok and it just wouldn't work. Um, the video loaded up um, and then every time I did it, I must have tried it about six times because I've mentioned Assange in the video. Um, it was freezing. And, and all of this and I you know I, I've, I've been on TikTok and all these platforms for years and I you know I I load up videos all the time really really strange so I do wonder if there's going to be censorship over what's going on um Matt yes. we've got this hearing coming up explain mm. to everybody what is that how's that hearing going to work um it's obviously over two days and what is the question that's being asked that's right so potentially this is Julian's last avenue in the UK the last potentially the last day that he's got to have any recourse in the UK justice system, which is, is terrifying. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, I, I was born in the UK and I, and I always thought that it was, had some shred of being a democracy. Yes, a troubled and corrupt one. And yes, the media is, is certainly not perfect. <laughs> but I thought there was a shred of underlying um, uh, accountability. This to me will end that. If, if, they, if they argue that he cannot have an appeal, and that's what he's requesting. He's requesting just to have the right to have an appeal at the high court level in the UK justice system. He was originally denied that opportunity, which means that this is shocking, but it means that his case, this case of a massive importance, 
Well, either it is or it isn't. But it's so far only been decided by a rookie judge. It was her first hearing in the lowest court, the, the magistrate's court in the United Kingdom. And uh, one high court judge uh, recently, Justice Swift, Jonathan Swift, uh, said that he couldn't have an appeal. He went through about nine or was it 14 points of law and basically said, computer says no. He gave no explanations. It was very brief, like, um, you know, hundreds of pages of evidence, very important points of law, freedom of speech, uh, the right of non-refoulement, which means not to be sent to a country where you could be tortured, all evidenced by UN rapporteurs and all the rest of it. And he's just said, nah, no, 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 no explanation. I actually met the guy in a, in a corner shop by coincidence. This is the wonderful thing of wearing this every day. You run into all sorts of people. He looked at my sign and he looked so uncomfortable. I was like, that stood out to me. Who's that? And I figured out who it was. I went to chat to him. He looked very, I spoke to him very politely, but he was so uncomfortable. It told me so much. Like he knows, you know what I mean? So I hope they get some judges that have a uh, commitment to Magna Carta and the rule of law. Um, I know that there, there are judges that do. So I don't know which judges are going to be assigned, but I hope that they, um, that they care about that. Cause that's, there are many points of law at stake. It's the right of people to know the truth. And uh, yeah, non-refoulement, as I say. Um, yeah, he could face, he'll face solitary confinement, 24 hours a day, 175 year sentence. That's torture. That's the worst form of torture, in fact, um, for award-winning journalism. So it's a shocking case. I mean, if you're a journalist, it's just fascinating whether you agree yeah. or disagree. It's great to talk about. I mean, what? Yeah. But yeah, it is, and and and, side. Mm. and and the thing at the heart of this, isn't it, that you know that what this says about British justice, because we all know why the things are going this way, you know, why the fact that he's been denied appeal so far, and it's not necessarily to do with the British justice system, although that's the thing that's delivering this. This is about the the relationship between the United States and the United Kingdom, isn't it? I think at the heart of yeah. this, um, what do you think this says about British justice if um, the, the, the British state kowtow to the US and extradite him? Well, uh, an Australian um, MP recently puts it very well. He said that uh, he, he was talking about in terms of Australia's relationship as well, because, of course, they're involved. Julian's Australian. Um, and they have been advocating for Julian's release uh, very powerfully. So um, to give people out there hope, the public in Australia and the media are talking about this all the time. It's very important. The, um, the politicians are on side. But, um, yes, this uh, uh, politician said uh sorry the name's escaping me uh he said that uh, if if they don't you know resist this then there's nothing more that could demonstrate uh, a more supine relationship to the united mm. states and uh yeah that, that that spells it out it's it really allows it gives the a legal precedent to allow the united states to reach across the water pluck out an award-winning journalist just for reporting truth about United States massive, egregious human rights crimes. Pluck him out, give him a, a kangaroo court trial because he's not allowed to argue a public interest. So that's kind of the key to this whole thing. You might, some people out there might be going, yeah, but if he's done nothing wrong, surely he could just go to the US and argue the yeah. case, right? But here's the thing, if he winds up on those shores, first he'll be chucked straight in solitary confinement, just like Chelsea Manning was. 
just like Joshua Schulter's, uh, the WikiLeaks uh, alleged uh, whistleblower about CIA hacking tools. Um, but he won't yeah. be able to argue public interest, so he he's got no chance. Uh, you can't. Yeah. Got, you go on the trial. You say why you can't say why he published it, and that's the only defence of a journalist. Well, I published it because the public had a right to know. Absolutely ridiculous. And and the reason I'm pushing you there, and Matt, is because we've only got a minute left, and I do want you to highlight this film that's coming out. So very very quickly, can you tell us about the film that's um, up and coming? Yeah, brilliant. So we've got two things. Um, first, I want to mention Day X, which is outside the courts. Uh, this is Julian's hearing. We want it is going to be music, lots of people. Uh, February 20 and 21st in London, Royal Courts of Justice. Uh, it's Day X, and then the movie The Trust Fall that's premiering in London on uh, sorry February 18 at 1 p.m. at the Rio Cinema, and that's a great film. It's got some great narration, Tom Morello and Roger Waters and so forth. And uh, yeah, spread the word. Fantastic. Well, listen, Matt, you're doing a great job. Um, Matt O'Brannain, um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you, Matt, for coming on the Freeman Report. And definitely keep a lookout for that film. And of course, TNT will be there for the full two days. So join us then.